Welcome to the first episode of Deck Rant with me, Derek Ivey, and my partner over here, Carson Ivey. Um, Welcome, everybody. Yeah. So today, we're going to talk about um, Baltimore mock draft, top 18 mock, mock drafts, which you can find on our website, um, deckrants.wixsite.com. So the first pick is the Jacksonville Jaguars. This one should be obvious, right? Especially after last night's performance from Justin Fields, which wasn't awe-inspiring. So I think yeah. of will Justin Fields use Trevor Lawrence? I think that is pretty much dead. Yeah, no, I think all that talk is gone. I don't think you can make a case for why Fields should be number one. Yeah, so Lawrence is number one to the Jaguars. Um, whoever coaches there, most likely Urban Meyer, will be very happy uh, with having – uh, Trevor Lawrence as your starting quarterback going forward. Yeah, uh, if Urban Meyer coaches there, because I actually just saw something that uh, Urban Meyer wasn't going full steam ahead. So, yeah, 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 that they were waiting, that Jackson was waiting on Urban Meyer. So that's, again, we think Urban Meyer, but it could be somebody else. Um, but yeah, he's not without his cons, I think, even when you talk about this guy was supposed to be, you know, sort of that Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, transcendent prospect. It's almost yeah. like he's not maybe quite on that level. Is there some there are some flaws in his game I think that have been exposed over the past two years. Um, number one, if he's gonna be able to deal well with pressure, I think we saw teams like Ohio State and LSU put guys in his face and when he got hit, he didn't quite respond maybe as well as some people will hope. Now, we are really nitpicking here because he has all the tools, he's a great decision maker, he's mobile quarterback. So this is nitpicking. Then he's young too, so I mean, you know, as you you know, you take those hits, you eventually get used to it more and more. But it's if he can get used to it, and if he's able to kind of capitalize off those. Yeah, I think he'll grow out of that a little bit, but I think that's something that team teams need to be maybe. That's probably his biggest con. Um, the other thing that's probably really minor is he's probably a better deep ball thrower than he is underneath right now. I mean, he's got a phenomenal arm. He's got incredible accuracy in the deep ball. Uh, when it comes to underneath, not that he can't hit those throws, those throws, it's just sometimes it seems like maybe his timing is a little off. Now, that might be because he was missing, you know, two of his top targets from last year. And Armani, Amari, uh, excuse me, Amari Rodgers, who is a fantastic receiver, isn't really built to be that sort of number one outside threat that maybe a guy like Justin Ross is supposed to be. So, I think that, but again, we're really nitpicking here. He's my number one, number one overall quarterback, my number two overall, my big board. Um, I think there's another prospect in this draft that is that sort of that transcendent, you know, there has never been a guy like this talent. I think Lawrence. Yeah, gen- a generational talent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Lawrence should be that's far that payment. Andrew Luck can't miss quarterback, but there are a couple small flaws in the game. Yeah. But I mean, no one goes without any flaws. So I, I feel like him, I, I haven't seen. A quarterback quite like him since well, Andrew Luck. Um, obviously, every guy is going to have something. I mean, no guy's perfect, but yeah, I don't see any. We'll get into a guy making... perfect in a second, but <laughs> all right. But yeah, I know what you mean. Where did you have him ranked, uh, quarterback and overall? Quarterback number one, hands down. Overall number two, just like you. I mean, after you know this next guy. Um, yeah, you and I differ at number two, so let's move on to the Jets on number two. I have Justin yeah. Fields. I think after the performance from Clemson, I think there were some concerns alleviated with his decision-making because last night his issues weren't decision-making related. 
it was more of I don't think he was ever really comfortable in that game. Trace Summer went out early. Um, he was hurt, as another thing to consider. He was definitely not 100%. So I think some of those things you got to take with grain of salt. Between the thumb and his ribs, um, he definitely wasn't even close to 100%. Um, but that game against Clemson, I think, alleviated a lot of the concerns about his decision-making that had been put against against Northwestern Indiana, that he may not have been the decision-maker that we all thought he was. Um, but then there are the physical tools that probably even surpass Trevor Lawrence's with the, the mobility and the deep ball and the arm strength. I mean, not surpass, but equal to. It's just a question of can you get some of that decision-making sort of down and – not have to worry about him sort of having these spiral games like he did against Indiana and Northwestern where the team almost won in spite of him. Definitely won in spite of him against Northwestern. Uh, took a 300-yard performance from Trey Sermon to win that game. Uh, if Northwestern had a decent quarterback, you know, we're seeing potentially Northwestern in the college football playoff. But, um, yeah, I think it's the, the physical tools are really enticing for Fields. And he has had two good seasons or at least one really good, another, you know, sort of this year up and down, but he has shown the potential and that sort of deal. So, again, the Jets, it depends what the Jets think about Sam Darnold, obviously. I think you're going to get in that in a second. But for me, he sort of could be just as good as Lawrence based on his physical tools. So I have him ranked my number four overall prospect, my number two quarterback. All right, well, for the New York Jets, I have Penai Sewell going to the New York Jets. Um, I feel like Sam Donald, uh, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's just been put in a lot of tough situations with a below-average bad offensive line. And a not terrible a lot of, head coach and Adam Gase. Yeah, terrible head coach. Not a lot of weapons he can really use. I mean, the Jets had Robbie Anderson, and now he's on the Panthers. Um, I mean – the Jets, they just don't have anything for Sam Darnold. They don't have anything to help him out with. And I feel like after drafting Beck, uh, Mekhi Becton last year, drafting Sewell this year, they're going to start to form a really good offensive line, and hopefully they can start start helping Sam Darnold. Um, I think Panay Sewell is the way to go uh, if you want to keep Sam Darnold and build around him. Now, if you don't and you want to move on, Fields wouldn't be a bad choice because um, I agree with most of the things you said. Uh, physically, he matches up with Lawrence. Um, I think maybe he's like just just a little bit below uh, when they played Clemson. I feel like he played the best football he's ever played against Clemson, and it showed. And he was hurt, and I'm assuming, and it's clear clear uh, that it did, you know, hinder him a little bit last night with his performance. But um, I feel like Panay Sewell is a smarter way to go as long as the Jets stick with Sam Donald. Yeah, I think that's a big question, you know, with Adam Gase gone, will this next coach stick with Sam Darnold? And there's some in the camp that say, yeah, he's been stuck with Sam Darnold in a really terrible situation in New York, so why not go ahead? And Doug Peterson, who may come in and coach the Jets, I know he's one of the front runners for that job. Um, it may be enticing because Darnold has a tool that, you know, I'm a CU fan. I watched a lot of Sam Darnold when he was, you know, at USC. He was a fantastic quarterback. And as long as he has the physical tools, will he figure it out at the next level? Well, not yet. So if you're the Jets and A, either you believe Sam Darnold's a guy, or B, um, you're not sold in either quarterback because both Fields and Wilson, or even if you want to really dig in deep Lance, they all have their issues. Unlike, you know, Trevor Lawrence, who he doesn't have those necessarily those same you have the nitpicks and the gripes, but there's nothing glaring. Well, with with Fields, it's decision making. With 
with Wilson, it was there was a big increase in productivity and talent and you know growth, but is that sustainable or was that just a product of this being a weird year and whatnot? And with Lance, it's the whole we play in North Dakota State. You know, he hasn't really played football in a year. So if you're not sold on either of those three guys, you have a trans you have a transcendent talent in Tanai Sewell. He go, Oh well we can draft you know a second um cornerstone tackle. And all of a sudden you have Beckton and Sewell or two two of the best ta- young tackles in the league. And if you're really not ready to put Sewell a tackle yet for some reason, you could slam the guard. He played guard in high school. He has the ability to do that. So I understand where you're coming with that. So um, you have Sewell one overall and one O tackle, I would assume. Yeah, and one more thing. I know I'd said there's no such thing as a perfect guy, but I, you know, if there was, I think Panay Sewell would be about as close as there is because um, there's a stat in, uh, in 678 – Dropbacks in Oregon, pass plays. Sewell let up one sack in 678 plays. Which is insane because you and I both play offensive line. We both know there that is a ridiculous number. Yeah, I mean, I especially at the level that he's playing at in the pack, like Division One football in the Pac-12, like it's like even if you're a really good high school player, like it is insanely difficult to not mess up, you know, one time to, you know, go a whole season without a sack, much less 678 pass plays. Like, yeah. So number three, overall the dolphins, I have now, this is a really interesting situation. The dolphins have said, the front office has said, who is their guy? Right. But if they fall in love with Fielder Wilson or Lance or even Mac Jones, who played phenomenally last night, the Dolphins may start getting eyes, or Deshaun Watson, because he's now a trade chip. So that's worth noting for the Jets, too, that the Jets may try to go after Deshaun Watson as well. Um, the Dolphins aren't really interesting. They have a top three pick. Theoretically, they won't have a top three pick again probably for at least five, cent, five to seven years, because right now they look on track to be uh, – Bills are 1A in that division. Dolphins look to be 1B. What held the Dolphins back this year was quarterback play. Now, if you if they do impact Lee Tua as a guy, they're not going to go quarterback at three. And if they don't, now do you go wide receiver at three with Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith? Or do you go Panay Sewell? I think, because I'm really not sold in that Dolphins offensive line, especially the offensive tackles, I go Sewell. Again, like we mentioned, Sewell's potentially the best ever NFL prospect, certainly the best since Orlando Pace offensive line-wise since, you know, 1997. Orlando Pace was coming out of college. Um... And again, you mentioned everything. With Sewell, there's about a million pluses. You know, your biggest nitpicks with him is he's maybe above average against power rushers. Um, power guys have had been able to get some sort of pressure bring on one sack in, you know, two years. So, again, you're really nitpicking. And he isn't – he's physical, but he's not super aggressive, if that makes sense. He's not a guy – granted, he doesn't need to be super aggressive because of his size. But – you would almost, he's a great run blocker, so again, this is really nitpicking. But you also want to see him maybe more of a mean streak, you know, in him. But again, this is really nitpicking. I think he's a phenomenal prospect, and he's my number one overall prospect, number one tackle. I don't think the Dolphins could go wrong with picking Sewell uh, here at all because he's, again, he's one of those players where he makes their team better regardless of where you're playing on the offensive line, maybe other than the center. So. Yeah, um, for the Dolphins, again, I'm going with the front office saying they're sticking with uh, Tua. Um, I'm going with Jamar Chase. 
Uh, I think he's a better wide receiver than Devonta Adams. Uh, not by – I'm sorry, Devonta Smith. <laughs> Funny story, Devonta Adams actually tweeted out this morning, if you spell my name wrong, spell it with an A because he's a boy. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, um, again, with Adams – with Devonta Adams' success in the NFL, that's still that smaller slot build you've seen. I think 10 years ago, Smith would have been an afterthought in a lot of wide receiver circles because a lot of teams, you know – He's not a super big guy. He means he's fast, but he's not super big. But, again, he, I think Smith play all over the field. But we're talking about Jamar Chase, so let's get back to Yeah, I think Jamar Chase is just a little uh, better. I mean, he's bigger, uh, which is nice. I think he's he's like 6'1", 200 pounds, I think, 210 pounds, which is uh, pretty big for a wide receiver. I was looking up some of the other wide receivers, and he outmatches a lot of them. Obviously, you, there's a difference between, you know, slot receivers and you'll get some really big receivers like uh Julio Jones who are just absolutely massive at like six foot four, six foot five. Um yeah, we haven't seen in this class, I think I can't remember how tall Rashad Bateman is from uh in Thailand Wallace or off the top of my head, but we're not seeing, you know, these giant, you know, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones ex receivers who are super big and are kind of your go over the top Randy Moss type of players. They're these more smaller, faster, quicker receivers which I think is a product of the changing both college and pro games. But um, so you're not looking for necessarily. And I think that's where Jamar Chase kind of stands out is he's not – he's obviously not a giant dude like Calvin Johnson, but he's not – but he's not tiny either like Devontae Smith. So His stat line, um, 2,098 yards, 23 touchdowns. And 107 receptions in his two years he played for LSU. I mean, I, I just think that's incredible to me. I mean, 23 touchdowns in two years, it's – I mean, yeah, you're getting was, around a, at least one touchdown a game. Yeah, um, a lot of people forgot about Chase because he opted out this year because um, he was not a guy who needed to play. I mean, again, he had proven everything last year. He was a blink-it-off winner um, last year for the LSU Tigers. He probably would have been the best wide receiver – I, I can only imagine the race this year. I mean, granted, LSU's quarterback play was so far, so I think Chase, you know, may have caught a break there in that regard. Um, but, I mean, if you put last year's, you know, Jamar Chase versus this year's Devontae Smith, again, it's incredibly close when it comes to production value. I mean, Smith probably has the better numbers. I don't have them here up right in front of me. But at the same time, Chase was an animal, and, there are two films I would love to see, like inter-squad films, Kavion Thibodeau and Panay Sewell, because Thibodeau is probably the best um, edge rusher Sewell ever faced. And then for Jamar Chase against Derek Stingley. Yeah. Because he's probably the best corner he's faced in college, meaning other than Sertan. So it's one of those things where I would love to get my hands on that kind of film. But I think you're right. I think Chase is a better receiver, but it's not by much at all. No, not by much. And also something for him is just the way he plays is – He's just kind of good at everything. Like, I mean, something that really sticks out is his hands. He can catch insanely well. Like, he's in his body control. Like, he knows where he is on the field. He's able to get his feet down. He can catch when he's getting hit. Um, I think just the biggest – I don't want to call it an area of concern, but his biggest flaw is that his uh, speed of changing direction isn't as great um, as, like, Smith's. But yeah. other than well, that, I think – this guy with DK Metcalf, that – if you put them in the right system, that doesn't matter at all. I mean, yeah, I thought DK Metcalf was going to be a bust because, you know, his 5'10'5 <laughs> was slower than Tom Brady's. I mean, it's yeah. Like, 
But I mean, look at him now. He's yeah, and then again with with Chase, you have the bigger body, so you have the bigger catch radius. Um, and he's an incredible route runner too. And I think again, when you look at you know, he can run basically every route in the book. With Smith, again, Smith's got the speed to be a deep threat, but sometimes the size can almost offset. You're not that big of a guy. The quarterback can't kind of throw it up. You know, with Chase, a quarterback still, you know, against bigger corners might not be able to throw it up quite as much. But, again, there, I think that's kind of separate. The size might be a separating factor for those two. Uh, we should probably move on to the Falcons at number four. I have Zach Wilson going to the Falcons. Falcons – I mentioned my article, a really, really difficult situation. They're in that middle in between. Are they going to blow it up truly and rebuild, or are they going to try to put the pieces for another Super Bowl run? If they're putting the pieces to another Super Bowl run, they probably go defense, right? But I really think that this organization, especially if they with the new head coach, they're going to want to go quarterback in the future because Matt Ryan – getting up there in age he's Matt Ryan can't move anymore in the pocket you know so I think even if Matt Ryan stays you're almost in a sort of Patrick Mahomes where you draft a quarterback to sit behind for a year and learn behind a guy like Matt Ryan I think Wilson could really use that year too just to the standpoint get up to speed and because I think Wilson's decision making outclasses Fields but he obviously doesn't have the same physical traits as Fields I don't think he has the same arm strength um the same mobility. So I think that's where Fields has an advantage. But I think Wilson has sort of that arm ta- has a has arm talent and has a decision making to be an effective NFL quarterback. And regardless of where the Falcons go, if they're gonna rebuild in any sort of fashion, I think quarterback is the way to go because this is a pretty good top tier quarterback class. Uh I agree with that. I think uh, the Falcons would take Zach Wilson too. I feel like he's perfect fit uh, into that Falcons offensive scheme. Uh, if you kind of want to just shoehorn him in for Matt Ryan and just kind of hope, because, um, I mean, he plays about the same as Matt Ryan does, you know, kind of just a pocket passer can throw the ball. Um, I think with weapons like Ridley and Jones, um, I feel like Wilson, you implement him and Wilson and Ridley is going to be kind of like Ryan and Jones. I think it's just the next generation of the, you have that duo you can kind of look at. Um, I mean, you always hear, you know, uh, I'd heard there might have been some character issues with him. I don't know if that was just scouts beating scouts, um, trying to hope that no one else drafts him, knocking down his uh, stock a little bit for some other teams. But um, I don't see why the Falcons shouldn't take him uh, just to replace Matt Ryan, who, as you mentioned, is kind of just declining and, he can still throw the ball, but, you know, it's just get a younger version of him who's a little bit more fresh. Yeah, and I think, again, he's not going into a hopeless situation in Atlanta either. This is not Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville or Fields going to New York where there's the talent around. I mean, even with Fields going to Jacksonville, at least Fields has Chark and Chenault and James Robinson. Uh, Fields, is going if he goes to New York or whichever quarterback goes to New York, is going to be in a dire situation. In Atlanta, at least you have Jones and Ridley. Um, on uh, that sort of at least you have something there with the weapons. You're not totally feel like you're on an island. Um, but Atlanta at the same time needs to figure out which direction this organization is going in. I think whoever they hire as a head coach is going to be his clear signal. If it's Raheem Morris, I think they're going to look to compete. You know, 
because Raheem Morris, that team was much better under Raheem Morris than it was under Dan Quinn. So if they go the more Arthur Smith, Eric Bieniemy that direction, you might see more organizational shift in um, philosophy, which may result in more of a rebuilding type of attitude. And my ranking for Smith is a number eight overall prospect. I think he's a good prospect, but I think there are better players at different positions just in front of him. It's not a disrespect to Wilson at all. Uh, he's my number three overall quarterback. I think, you know, again, the top three fields and Wilson may become interchangeable over the next couple of weeks, but that's just where I have him. Yeah. He's my third overall quarterback too. And I know I have him going before fields, but I just feel like he's better fit for Atlanta than fields would be. That's why yeah. I feel like Atlanta would pick him. All right. So you have fields going to Atlanta or not fields. Uh, Wilson. Wilson going to Atlanta. Yeah. That's right. You're not big on fields. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, number five, Cincinnati. I have Jamar Chase, the number one third five receiver off the board. The Bengals, they won themselves out of that number three pick. So I know Bengals fans were excited for Sewell. Well, now that's gone. Um, again, they have two choices, offensive line or wide receiver for Joe Burrow. They couldn't go wrong either way. I think with, if – Obviously, if Chase is still on the board, I think they're going to have a hard time passing on him because, again, there is wide receiver and O-line depth in this draft, but Chase is a game-changing wide receiver. Your offensive tackles, it depends what kind of philosophy you're looking for. Are you looking for a purely you know, pass-protecting tackle, or are you going to look, end up looking for a more well-rounded tackle? That depends, so that can tell you what you're going to go later for in the draft because um, there's some of those, both of those guys are going to be available later on. I like Chase. He's just like we talked about him earlier. He's again, he's good at everything. He's not particularly great at anything in that sense where there's still room to grow and he could obviously become, you know, great at a lot of different things, but he's so good at everything that I just have a hard time. They're gonna pick Smith over him in the sense that there's a I think the size is gonna end up being a key factor. And so Smith is my or not Smith, Jamar Chase is my number five overall prospect in my number one wide receiver yeah I've got the Bengals kind of in the same situation as the Jets um obviously I have more hope and faith in Burrow being a standout quarterback um and I, I could see Burrow being a better quarterback than Donald will be um but I feel like they're gonna go with Samuel Cosme from Texas uh he's, he's such a great pass blocker he also uh, didn't play this year I believe uh I think um, he opted out after a couple of games yeah, um, but he, he can move really well in the pass set, and uh, the Bengals need better offensive linemen. I mean, I mean it's, it's kind of obvious with Burrow getting hurt. Uh, I, I don't know what to say other than I think he's the next best offensive tackle on the board, and a better fit for the Bengals is a better pass blocking tackle. Yeah, you're a little higher on – so what do you have, Cosme, overall? Uh, as an offensive lineman, I have him as fourth. Yeah, in general, as an offensive lineman, um, but I just feel like he fits so good with what the Bengals should need in a pass blocking tackle. Yeah, you're higher in Cosby than I am. I again, I, Cosby's pass protection is really good. I think he like Sewell struggles a little against the power aspect, um, but I don't think Samuel Cosby is an excellent run blocker, which is my biggest concern with him. Which is why I'm a little shaky. He's I think either he might be my fourth or fifth offensive lineman. Um, I don't think he's going to go in the top 18. Again, I think Cosme, like I said, Cosme's a fantastic pass protector. 
but he's stuck at tackle. A lot of these other earlier offensive linemen, you can move them around if, for where needs are. With Cosme, I'm not super impressed with his ability to block in the ground game. Not even, I mean, he's very much, he's athletic and he better on the outside zone, which is where he's shown his strength in the run game. But you put him in an inside zone or even a power scheme, which the Bengals aren't really a power run team, so it's not the end of the world. Um, but it's still a little bit of a concern. And when you go offensive linemen, the top five or even top 10, you want to make sure those guys can kind of do everything and that they're not going to be severely limited uh, early, on, early on in their career. So we're going to move on to number six now uh, with the Eagles. They have to go wide receiver here, right? Uh, wide receiver, defensive back. Yeah, I point Devonta Smith. Again, with Chase off the board, Smith is the next best player in the wide receiver game. And Smith, a lot of people like Waddle more, and I like Waddle too. The injuries are concerning for especially a Philly team who has been notoriously bit by the injury bug. Um, I think they're going to go Smith, A, because Smith has been more productive two years in a row. And then B, he's just got that elite athleticism and then great hands. He'll fit really well in that system. Well, whoever's playing quarterback, he'll be a nightmare for teams to defend because he can line up all over the field. He can, If you really wanted to put him in the backfield as sort of that second, you know, not a running back, but a guy who can play out of the backfield as a pass catcher, or even you want to give him the ball on the outside through swing routes or even sort of pitches or an option game, he can do it. And so I think Waddle isn't quite, again, with the ankle injury, I think Eagles are going to be nervous. Uh, and Smith's been a more productive wide receiver anyway. So I think Smith is going to be the number six pick. And for me, he's my number 10 overall prospect and my number two wide receiver. Yeah, so for me, I see the Eagles, uh, their defense is a huge concern, especially their pass defense. Um, I see him pat, uh, picking Patrick Sertan. Um, I think, A, he's probably the second best player left on the board. Um, I just don't have him picking Smith because I see their pass defense is more of a struggle for them. Uh, for me, I think they should focus more on defense. I think they will uh, with just their – I mean, it was losing them games this year. Um, being able to make one or two more stops is all you really need. Um, and again, I think he's, you know, the second, maybe even the best player left on the board and uh, being the best cornerback in the draft is, I think it's just the way they should go. Yeah. We should also note it depends on who's coaching. I mean, Howie Roseman's still going to be the GM, so that's still going to play a role. Uh, but it really depends on who's going to be the head coach there. Remember rumors, Adam Gase is going to somehow land himself a third head coaching job in Philadelphia. Um, as a Cowboys fan, that would make me so happy. But for Eagles fans' sake, for once, I'm, I would be really sympathetic, and I pray that the Eagles do not hire Adam Gates because that man just should not get another job in the NFL after what he's done to the Dolphins and the Jets. So number seven is going to be Detroit. Um, Detroit's a huge question mark of what the hell they're going to do because what do they do? Matt Stafford is a big question mark, I think with how long he's going to be with the franchise. Um, if Stafford's still there, then they don't go quarterback, obviously. Because um, I don't think – if Stafford's still there, I don't think they're going to be in the market for sort of that heir to Stafford. But they need pretty much everything else except for running back because they're pretty set at running back with um, on Johnson and DeAndre Swift um, and Adrian Peterson, if he still finds himself there again. 
But everywhere else, there's huge question marks. So I think they're going to go best player available, and that's Michael Parsons. Uh, he's the best defensive player in the country, or in the best defensive player in this draft. I mean, he could play tackle to tackle as a middle linebacker. He can play a 3-4 or 4-3 middle linebacker. He could play on the edge if he needed to. He could play outside. Um, the Lions need a little help on the uh, edge rushing. They had a terrible pass defense. He can be a good pass coverage linebacker. The biggest concern, I think, is his man-to-man pass coverage. We didn't see him do a ton of that at Penn State. But with his athleticism, I don't think it should be an issue. Um, he fits any scheme. Again, he's one of those rare – I think he's a generation talent linebacker. And we've seen a couple of those guys over the past couple of years who've been like them, who are sideline and sideline linebackers can do everything or those kind of linebackers you need in a defense. So I think he goes seven because I think the Lions are going to be hard-pressed to pass up. Who I think is the number three overall player in the draft who falls to seven because there's a run on quarterbacks and receivers early on. Uh, yeah, if this is saying I have Devonta Smith going to the Lions, uh, I think he's probably second less – uh, second, be- second best wide receiver in the draft. I know he is. Um, and if the Lions do stick with Stafford, uh, I think he'd be a great weapon for Stafford because uh, they'd have Kenny, Doll- Kenny Galladay and Devonta Smith as long as well as that good running back core. So I think they on offense they're starting to get it figured out. And the Lions were actually pretty close. They had a lot of close games this year. Yeah. And so I think if you just had something to take a little bit of heat off of Galladay and spread the ball around a little bit more. Um, I think the Lions are actually looking toward a bright future. But this yeah. is as long as they stay with Stafford. Because if they don't, then I – I mean, I could see them going quarterback. But Yeah, and a, also worth looking at, too, is that I think Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Amadola are all supposed to be free agents. So if they – if two of those guys go or even if they let all three go, they probably will have to go receiver or they'll trade down to just collect more draft capital so they can just draft more in those second-tier receivers uh, towards the bottom of the first, maybe second or third round. So they absolutely could go receiver here depending on where that's, how that situation pans out. Or if Amadola and Jones both go or if Amadola and Gall, they both go or however it ends up, they might be in the market for another weapon for Stafford, so they might go – that way. Again, I don't think they're close enough to the playoffs where receiver is a major concern. I think you can get decent pass catchers in free agency. And again, if Parsons slips as far, I have a hard time believing. The farther Parsons slips, the harder it is going to be for teams to pass up regardless of what their needs are. So again, with seven, Parsons just makes sense because line, Detroit needs defensive help and Parsons provides for the immediate relief. Uh, so Carolina at eight, I have them going straight Lance. I don't think the Panthers believe in Teddy Bridgewater, especially how bad that offense was this year without Christian McCaffrey. I think Bridgewater is a decent quarterback, but I don't think the Panthers believe that he's a good fit for that team. I think Bridgewater is a great stopgap, a great guy. Who, if, you, if you're a team like, I don't know, let's say the Bears, who need a good quarterback and who have some, I mean, Maybe not the Bears, but a team who's maybe a decent quarterback away, who has the weapons necessary to sort of carry him. I think Bridgewater can be an effective quarterback. Like with the Saints last year, we saw it. He had the weapons. He was an effective quarterback. He kept the Saints on track. He was not that with the Panthers. The Panthers are going to work quarterback. I think Lance, he's the number four quarterback in this draft right now. I think Mac Jones could fight his way up there as well. Um, But I'm not totally sold on Mac Jones. Uh, Lance has – he's like Justin Fields, except 
we have less film on him. He has all these physical tools um, to be a great NFL quarterback. But I think he could have benefited from staying in school for a year. There wasn't – he had one game this year. Um, it wasn't particularly – he played pretty average to mediocre against Central Arkansas. And it wasn't like it wasn't like he was playing Davis Madison or, you know, a really good FCS team or even an FBS team. He was playing a really mediocre FCS team. So I think there are some questions about his ability right now to compete on that NFL level. And if they keep Bridgewater, he can sit behind Bridgewater, I think. And I think that's a pretty respectable option for the Panthers, too, because the Panthers aren't, you know, competing for a playoff spot next year. So I can also see the Panthers trading back if they really don't like anything, just accumulate more draft capital. But Lance is a raw prospect with a high ceiling, but that floor seems so low to me, potentially. So I have them going Lance. I think Lance, I have him ranked 16th overall, and that's very shaky 16th. That's kind of where his feeling is with me right now. He could, he has a better chance for falling for me than he does rising up that board. He's my number four overall quarterback. Uh, yeah, I can, I can see where you're going with that. Uh, again, if Bridgewater stays, I have, I mean, I would think Bridgewater would stay. Just talked about him. He, he's a good quarterback. I think he's a decent quarterback. And uh, I, I can see the Panthers going with Kyle Pitts. Um, He's the best tight end in the draft, hands down. Um, I think it would, with McCaffrey back, it would really help out on that offense um, just to get some weapons downfield. Because, I mean, McCaffrey's also receiving back. So yeah. he can go out on routes too, and it opens up the passing game a little bit. Um, and that offense is built around Christian McCaffrey. So him being out, again, I was probably slandering old Bridgewater a little too much. But that offense become serious, becomes seriously inhibited without Christian McCaffrey because he's the centerpiece of that offense because he's that sort of Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey type of back who, yeah, he runs the ball effectively, but he can line up you know, as a receiver and catch the ball. We saw, Again, I watch a lot of football, Pac-12 football, the Colorado fans, nightmares. You know, Christian McCaffrey lining up everywhere, catching footballs in the return game. Um, so, yeah, that was a big reason why the Panthers offense really struggled um, and I think you're right. Bridgewater with, you know, everybody back. Um, Robbie Anderson played great for the Panthers this year, uh, at least in the first half of the season. I think, you know, if they wanted to go offense instead, I'd go, you know, Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts is – Kyle Pitts might be the best pass catcher in this draft. Um, I think he's a better pass catcher than Devonta Smith, not as a knock to him, but just because Kyle Pitts is that good. And so I can totally understand, you know, where someone might go, well – we don't really want to go quarterback here, so we go best player available, which might be Kyle Pitts. That, it, it, you know, it helps replace Olsen, uh, who wasn't yeah. there last year. Uh, it kind of showed that there's just a lack of weapons for, again, whoever's going to play quarterback this season, hopefully he's going to repair that lack of weapons. Yeah. Um, so we'll go to your Denver Broncos now, number nine. I'll let you start this one. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm going with Micah Parsons, who I believe is the – best player left in the draft. Um, uh, that linebacker core hasn't been the same since 2015 uh, when they had uh, Brandon Marshall. They had, um, well, I can't remember, 56, Shane Ray. Um, Demarcus Lawrence, right? Demarcus Lawrence, Demarcus Ware. Um, I'm not Demarcus Lawrence, Demarcus Ware. Demarcus Ware. Um, I mean, it's it just hasn't been the same since then. Um, I could – 
I, I could also see them if Philly picks um, if Philly picks Mike Parsons instead of Patrick Sertan. I could see the Broncos picking Sertan because the uh, secondary was not very good this year compared to how it's been. Um, but I see Micah Parsons as being the best player available. Um, a fix to hopefully patch that linebacker core that just hasn't been complete. I mean, they've got Josie Jewell and they've got Malik Reed. Um, Alexander Johnson's been showing promise, but they just haven't had consistent play. And I think, again, I'll discuss this with something else, but uh, you know, you, you can get rid of ben Miller. You put Malik Reed in as an edge rusher and maybe you put Micah Parsons in where Malik Reed was playing linebacker. And I think that defense could get a whole lot better, especially if it's healthy. Yeah, and obviously if Parsons is there for the Broncos, it's almost like you have to take him, uh, even though they probably do need DB help. Again, you can't pass on talent like Parsons if he drops you at nine. It's kind of like the whole Derwin James situation with the Chargers a couple years ago. You can't pass on a guy like that. I had the Broncos going so can. Um, he's a phenomenal corner. He fits right into that press scheme that Vanjo loves to play. Um, he's a fantastic tackler, which Vanjo needs like on the outside. He's the best overall corner. He's the second best defensive player in this draft. I again, if he's there, and the Broncos secondary was a was not good this year anyway when they were healthy, and B they were not healthy, so there was no depth, which really showed. Um, and you have to go against Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert every year, so yeah. you need help in the secondary, regardless of even Sertan doesn't maybe turn out to be a star if he's a quality depth piece, you've already won because those are hard to come by in the NFL. So I think if Sertan's available, they have to go Sertan here um, just to help bolster a secondary that just was struggled mightily at times this year, just partly due to injury and partly due to just outside of Justin Simmons, there just wasn't a ton of talent in that secondary. Or if there was, it was young. And so just adding more pieces just helps kind of, build competition and build depth at a position where in the NFL today, you need a lot of players, regardless of, um, regardless if you have, you know, starting, starting caliber uh, guys already at those positions. Yeah, it, it was young. I think that was their main problem. I mean, OJ Moody, it was, he played okay. And then you bench him for Boyer who did not play well. Kareem Jackson was really starting to show. And, uh, Bryce Callahan played pretty well in the first half of the season. And then, I mean, Justin Simmons seems to be the only consistently good part of that secondary. I have Sertan rated as my number one corner, obviously number six overall. Do you have um, a rating for Parsons? Parsons is a number one defensive player. Yeah. Um, I think defensively he's just a little bit more valuable than Sertan. Uh, not a knock against Sertan. I have Sertan my number two defensive player. But – um. Parsons is my number one linebacker, and Sertan was my number one cornerback. Yep. So now we'll move on to my Dallas Cowboys at 10. Um, Cowboys need help everywhere on defense other than edge. So I was sending my write up. Basically, they're going to the best non edge defensive player available, which who knows at this point. If they don't like, you know, God forbid, I think at this point, I have them picking Caleb Farley. God forbid Caleb Farley's gone. They're just going to trade down because there is not really another defensive player I love. Uh, I like J.C. Horn, but he's going to be available back in later in the first round. So if that was their best player, they would I think they should trade back. Um, but other than signing Dak Prescott, defense is their number one need all over the board. Um, so I think if it's between Parsons, Sertan, and Barley, 
it's whoever's left of those three, because I think one of those three is going to be available. They'll go. Uh, I think Farley might be a slightly better cover corner than Sertan, and I mean razor-thin margin. He's a little more flexible, I think. He can kind of play a little more in coverage. He's not as good as a tackler, which I think is a big plus for Sertan, as he's a fantastic tackler. Um, but Farley's a great corner. He's flexible in the sense that he can kind of play multiple different coverages. He, he's, he's, a, he's a good press cover corner. He can play off and cover. So I'm not really worried about um, a scheme fit, especially since Mike Nolan's gone. It looks like Dan Quinn's going to be um, the defensive coordinator now. So I think he'll do really well in that system because Dan Quinn's had a lot of success with defensive backs. Um, and he fits, he fills a need because the Cowboys, Jordan Lewis and Chidobe Wuzier are both going to be free agents. I don't know who they're going to retain in that of those two. I can see them retaining one of them and moving one of them to safety and the other is going to be gone because neither of them were particularly um, great corners. So, and then another big thing for Farley for me is he's got fantastic ball skills that even Sertan doesn't have. And tur creating turnovers is something Dallas has struggled with in the past game, even a couple with Byron Jones, his biggest knock when he was a Cowboy was he wasn't able to get interceptions. Um, he was a lockdown corner, but he couldn't create turnovers. Farley can create turnovers. So I think that's going to be a huge plus. And the Cowboys need a defense that can create turnovers. Um, He's my number one. He's my number nine overall player in the draft. Um, he's my number two corner. I don't know what to say. I agree with that. I also have Farley going to the Cowboys. Um, I think it just helps the Cowboys because they haven't had a. When I say consistent, it's year by year. The, the Cowboys pass defenses that are good or horrible. Yeah. Um, and I think. Uh, I think. Uh, Farley's just one piece, a big piece to a puzzle that can hopefully solve that inconsistent pass defense. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the Giants at 11. Uh, Giants need wide receivers and need edge rushers. Um, their offensive line slowly getting better. Um, though they could also go in that direction. Again, you're not really in a position, if you don't believe in Daniel Jones, you're not really in a position to take a quarterback. So you're kind of stuck in that uh, situation right there. So if you go receiver edge, um, I think they're gonna go edge because the best edge players are still available. Uh, I haven't picked Putty Pay out of Michigan. I think Pay's grown phenomenally in Michigan. Um, he's a pretty solid technician. Um, he's an explosive athlete and he's flexible. He can play multiple different positions on that defensive line. Um, in a third down situation, in third down he can play. I think he can play an interior pass rusher as well. Um, he's a slight. It's a slight reach. Because I'm not totally sold on his, you know, overall athleticism. I think he's explosive, but I'm not sure he's overall a fantastic athlete. Um, he still has work to do with his technique. You know, he's not perfect. But the one thing I love about Pay is his motor. He does not stop. Um, if you read up on this guy's backstory, it's phenomenal. He's uh, his family's from Africa. They moved to the United States. Um, he's a hard worker, which I love about Pay. Um, so I think the Giants aren't going to have to worry about the sort of situation where is this guy going to buy in? Maybe it'll... So he'll buy in, and if he doesn't fit as, you know, an every, every down defensive end, he'll at least succeed as an edge rusher, I think. So and with the top two corners off the board, I don't think the Giants are going to go defensive back. So I think pays are best bet at this position. They're kind of stuck in, at that 11 spot. Um, he's my 13 overall prospect and my number one overall edge. The edge class isn't super deep, 
which is why you wait until the 11th pick for Edge Guy to come off the board. Um, so, but yeah, I like pay uh, to the Giants. Uh, I also agree the Giants, yeah, they need an edge player. I have drafted Gregory Russo from Miami, Florida. Um, yeah. uh, I just think that, I don't know, I just, uh, I just got a feeling, I don't know. Yeah, I Russo is a really explosive athlete. I'll go into why I don't like him very much. Um, not as, obviously not as a person, as a person, but I just don't like him very much as a prospect because uh, I think I have him going in the top eighteen. But if we don't, I can explain that why. But I don't. He's an explosive, a fantastic athlete. In at Miami, he had fifteen and a half sacks last year, so he can get to the quarterback, at least at the college level. I don't know how well his skill set translates to the NFL, though, which is my biggest concern because he sort of. Opposite of Bradley and I coming out of Utah last year, Nye was a high motor but smaller guy, not a fantastic athlete, but knew how to get to the quarterback at the college level. And if you read my Cowboys article with Mike Nolan, you'll see me express my um, why I wasn't happy with how they handled Nye. Because um, Nye's skill set might not translate well to the NFL because he's not a super big guy and not super athletic. Rousseau might be the opposite. He's a big, super athletic guy but his skill set might not translate well to the NFL. So um, I can go more into that a little later when I we talk about him. But number 12 overall, the Giants, I have Rashawn Slater. Uh, to the 49ers, sorry. The 49ers are a good football team. Ravaged by injuries. They finished the year okay. Um, they have a good head coach in Kyle Shanahan. The quarterback situation is up in the air, but since they're not in that top 10 or even really that top eight, they're not going to go after quarterback here. I would, unless they fall in love with Mac Jones um, or Trey Lance, whichever one of those two I think falls past eight. So I think I'm going to go Slater. My biggest concern with Slater is his size. He's not an overly big guy for an offensive tackle, so he might end up sliding into that guard center spot which is fine because he's a versatile lineman and can play all five positions, which is actually really nice. But, again, the arm length, the size, I personally don't believe that's a huge concern. Um, he's a great technician. We saw against Chase Young in 2019 that he did really well against Chase Young. Didn't, you know, silence Young, but he kept Young, you know, Young's impact to a minimum. Um, and also, pass uh, corner is a big concern for the Giants, but, again, you're reaching at this point for a corner, or you could pick, I think, Rashawn Slayer, who's a pretty good offensive lineman who's going to fall a little more than maybe he should because of his size concerns. So I think they're going to end up, you know, picking a guy like Slater who fill, who also fills the need. But I think you're getting a little better value rather than reaching for a corner that you're not totally sure on. Because we've seen the past couple of years reaching for corners has not turned out well for teams like the Lions, the Cowboys, um, the Raiders. Um Stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, I've got the 49ers picking White Davis from Ohio State. Um, I mean, as an interior offensive lineman, he played guard. Um, I just see him – he helped lead that Ohio State rushing offense and helped beat as – he helped it be as effective as it was. Um, I think just with the size and the strength, I feel like he could help out uh, repairing the 49ers offensive line that's kind of suffering lately. Um uh, I mean, if they if the 49ers want to see, I mean, I don't know how well Garoppolo is going to really end up panning out. He he doesn't really seem too promising. Um, but if he, so, if you want to stick with that run game and 
San Francisco, I, I think it'd be a smart choice to pick a big, strong interior offensive lineman. Yeah, I like uh, why Davis Law's interior. I just think Slater, given his versatility, he can play tackle. Even if you stick him at guard right away or you stick him at guard permanently, but he, you know, kind of like Zach Martin, you can slide him out to tackle in a pinch, something like that. I think he, Slater provides a little more versatility than Davis does because Davis is strictly interior. Um, but I do like Wyatt Davis a lot as an interior guard. He kind of reminds me of um, – I'm trying to remember who – um, uh, Frank Ragnow. Obviously, Ragnow plays center. But I love, I love Ragnow coming out of college. Uh, not – a lot of teams are super high on Ragnow, but now he's probably one of the better centers in the NFL. But, again, that interior offensive line doesn't get a lot of love in the draft because there's so many of those guys. A lot of those tackles you can slide down. So, I think, yeah. again, we both have the same idea with – the 49ers need help in pass protection and they need help on the offensive line and Slater and Davis both fit those needs. Um, I have Slater as my number, number 11 overall prospect, number two O tackle. Obviously Slater's probably more picture to play guard in the NFL. But again, as of right now, he's the offensive tackle. I think the Niners put him in offensive tackle when they need. So, but so number 13, the Chargers. I put Christian Derrissaw. Derrissaw might actually be a better offensive tackle than Slater is, but Derrissaw isn't quite as strong as in, in the wrong game. I think Derrissaw is the best pass protector in this draft behind tonight's little period. And I like Cosme, but Derrissaw was fantastic this year. Um, and the Chargers are in the standpoint where they need offensive line, and they're going to have one of the better offensive linemen fall right into the lap, and they need something to protect Herbert. So, again, the Chargers are going to – Derrissaw a perfect fit. Uh, he's a really athletic player. He can he's not a fantastic run blocker in the sense that, you know, he's dominant like Sewell, but he can definitely, you know, do the job. He's a better run blocker than Cosby is. And he's so athletic that again, who knows where the Chargers are gonna go with the head coaching situation. But uh he can run basically any zone run scheme. You can imagine he can run through it. Um so I love Darisaw. Um he had a fantastic twenty twenty, probably one of the highest risers uh of all players. Uh, he was dominant in the ACC. So I think the Chargers have to go Derrissaw here at 13. He's my number 12 overall player, my number three O tackle. I flip-flop um, between him and Slater almost every day, whether I think Slater or Derrissaw is better. So you ask me tomorrow, he could be higher than Derrissaw if my number two overall tackle. So that's just what I think the Chargers have to do at 13. All right. Um, I agree with the offensive line move to really help protect uh, Herbert. Um, I think they should pick Alex Leatherwood, Alabama. I mean, when you're on an offensive line, which is probably part of the best offense I've ever seen in collegiate football, um, it's kind of hard to go against, you know, such an impact on the play. Uh, he just – he made such an impact. And to be part of that offense and to make it how efficient as it was um, and just the pure dominance they even showed last night against – Ohio State, who was supposed to be, you know, the second-best team in the country. I mean, it's – for me, it's kind of hard not to go with Leatherwood. Um, I do like Slater a lot. It's just – I feel like with the Chargers, uh, or at least with Leatherwood's size, it helps him out a little bit more. Yeah, you asked me six months ago. I think I picked Leatherwood here. But I think Darisaw has been so good uh, this past season. I think Darisaw's has Leatherwood not because Leatherwood's been bad. I think Leatherwood's had a decent season, but I think Darisaw has just grown so much that, again, I love Darisaw personally. And if 
I think he could continue to rise in this draft. I think he can become this uh, cement himself as the number two offensive lineman. Because, I mean, he's not quite as versatile as uh, Sewell and Slater are. I don't think he projects much as a guard. Not that he couldn't do it, but I think he projects as a tackle. So, but I think we're both, again, same line of thought. The Chargers need to bolster that offensive line. Uh, number 14, the Vikings. Um, their two biggest needs are interior offensive and defensive line, which you don't really fill those in the first round, generally speaking, unless, you know, again, the last really big – the two big names I can think of that went really high were Vita Vea as an interior defense lineman and Quill Nelson as an interior offensive lineman. There isn't that Vita Vea or the Dominican Sue, you know, type of intense uh, inside defensive line player. And then with Slater already off the board um, in my draft, again, I don't think they go Davis at 14. This is one of those things that I think they're going to try to look at a tackle who they can slide inside for now and then, you know, eventually – fill that hole uh, somewhere else, fill that hole somehow else, whether they go in free agency or, you know, they go later in the draft to pick interior help. So I'm going to go with uh, Elijah Vera Tucker at USC. Uh, Tucker played both guard and tackle at USC. So there's, you know, he can play interior. So there's your Viking, there's your help. Biggest concern is scheme. I'm not sure Tucker, you know, would have been a fit in Kubiak's scheme. Now, now that Kubiak's gone, I think we'll have I'll be a more clear answer. Um, I mean, Tucker's an athlete, so I think he could have adapted to the zone scheme that uh, Kubiak loved to run. But I think if you have a team that is willing to run more of a power scheme, I think he might fit a little better. But he's an immediate plug-and-play offensive line, whether that be a tackle or guard. So I think you can help yourself out by drafting a guy whose value is a top, you know, top 20 value is an offensive tackle, but has the versatility to play guard. So I think that's why Tucker uh, goes at 14. And I have Tucker ranked 15th overall and um, the fourth overall tackle. And also worth noting, if there is an offensive line run, I think the Vikings are going to jump on an offensive line because they're not going to want to get stuck. Um, going thinking they could have gotten not, maybe not an elite offensive line because I think we're past the elite offensive line, but a good quality um, contributor on that offensive line. Yeah, I have um, I have them trying to fix their defensive line problems with how bad it was this year. Uh, drafting Goody Pay, um, you kind of said all there was to say about him. I mean, I just I, I like his motor, I like his uh, his sheer, like his grit. Um, I think he'd be a great fit, especially with the injuries the Vikings face this year and. Um, with the just defensive line that's been struggling so so much, I, I just I just think he's um, he, he'll hopefully be an answer for the Vikings. You know the, the, their defensive problems they've had. Yeah, and with that motor, I think Mike Zimmer would love Quiddy Pay too. I think that's a big that's a big personnel fit there in Minnesota. The guy like Mike Zimmer, I think Pay would fit awesome in that culture in that kind of locker room situation. So Pay, I think you're right, would be a great fit in Minnesota. Now number 15 with the Patriots. I have them picking Kyle Pitts, and I think pretty much every in the AFC East are going, not again, not another sort of this elite tight end that Bill Belichick has to play with. You know, often the Patriots offense was horrible at, this past year, and part of that was because Cam Newton was is just not the same quarterback anymore, and part of it was Cam Newton didn't have anybody to throw to. So I think, that, again, blaming it all on Cam Newton is kind of moot when, again, who is he throwing to? 
you have Kyle Pitts that all of a sudden you have potentially a top 10 tight end in the league as a rookie coming in. Um, in Florida, we saw what he did, pa- catching passes for Kyle Trask. I don't know who made who better. I think Kyle, I think Kyle Pitts may have been a huge factor in Kyle Trask, you know, becoming the quarterback he was. Uh, as I discussed, I think Kyle Pitts is a top two pass catcher in this class. I think he's better than Devontae Smith, not because, you know, of anything Devontae Smith has done, just because Kyle Pitts is just a big athlete who has incredible ball skills and can go get any ball. You can, you can line up Kyle Pitts all over the field. You can line up as a true split out, uh, a tight end slot. You can line him up as sort of a wing, uh, a wing back if you need to. Um, and he, he's a good run blocker. He's not, you know, George Kittle level run blocker, but he is a good run blocker, I think, and can be effective in helping the Patriots because the Patriots love to run football. Um, and I think he can help make that team better. And then, so he's my number seven overall player, my number one tight end, and the Patriots get an absolute steal at 15 if he were to fall this far. I would really, when we talk about guys falling, the, you know, again, I pointed Derwin James falling. This is, you know, Kyle Pitts is at somewhere. Great talent, great athlete, but there's a run at, you know, there's a run at offensive line. There's a run at quarterback, so he kind of falls in a team like the Patriots. They can't pass on a guy like that, so they scoop him right up. Uh, yeah, and this uh, is a little bit of an unpopular take, but I have Justin Fields falling all the way to 15 to the Patriots, um, and it's nothing against Fields. Um, I just think it's with scheme fits, team needs, um, obviously Lawrence is the best quarterback, second best player. He's going to go to Jacksonville. Zach Wilson, I think he's just a perfect fit for um, Falcons if they want to stick with the same offensive scheme they have been playing with. Um, I think Fields is a good replacement for Newton because uh, Newton's most definitely not staying, um, at least how I see it. I don't see one reality where Newton stays. Um, and, I mean, it's kind of hard to pass a Justin Fields at this point. Patriots need a quarterback, and – I think he's a be- he's the second best quarterback in this class, and I just think, uh, you know, for him, it's unfortunate that it's just what team he's just not what teams needed, and that's nothing against him. Um, it's just like, you know, Lawrence and Jacksonville, obvious number one pick. Um, Wilson just fits with the Falcons. Um, Fields is just he, the Patriots need a quarterback, and Fields. Um, is what's is who's going to fill that hole? I mean, the Panthers could possibly pick him, but I feel like it's tough for the Panthers to pass up on Pitts. Uh, again, I feel like kind of what uh, I feel like Pitts could drop to fifteen instead, if and only if Fields is drafted by the Panthers instead. Yeah, um, Patriots again. The way Mac Jones has played, I'm not totally sold on Mac Jones. He had Jalen Waddle and. Uh, Devontae Smith to throw to. I mean, not uh, Waddle the whole year, but he had Devontae Smith to throw to, who I think made Jones into the quarterback he is. So I'm not totally sold on Jones. I'd like to see on my senior bowl performance or um, it's just tough to tell because he's had, you know, these elite weapons. Even last year, he had Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, um, Jerry Judy, all these elite athletes last year when he was filling in for Tua. So I, I'm not totally sold on Mac Jones. Um, just as I'm not totally sold on Kyle Trask for some similar reasons. Because um, Trask got to throw to Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts. So I don't think the Patriots are totally comfortable with picking a quarterback. 
Now, if they fall in love with, because again, I think Fields is going to be gone. Both Fields and Wilson are going to be gone. If they fall in love with Jones or, you know, Trask or somebody like that, then I can see them going quarterback here because they do need a quarterback because Cam Newton will not be a Patriot next year. But if they're not sure, Bill, if they're not sure, Bill Belichick isn't going to pick one. He's not sure. And I think Kyle Pitts, he's going to be way more sure on. And Kyle Pitts falls to 15 as, again, my number seven overall prospect. He's not going to pass on the opportunity to have another, you know, Rob Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski type of player. At 16, the Cardinals, I have him going Jalen Waddell. Um, if Larry Fitzgerald really is retiring, you're going to need to rep- give Kyler Murray another weapon, and Jalen Waddell is a perfect fit. Um, the Cardinals are in that interesting position. They go defense because they're going to be missing some key defensive players. But I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to not be able to pass up on a, a top offensive weapon kind of falling to him at 16. Uh, Waddle, outside of maybe Chase and Pitts, he's, I think he might even be, have better hands than um, both of those guys, like just pure, you know, catch, you know, catching passes. Um, could, you know, it's hard to pass out, pass up on that. Um, he's a big yard after the catch guy. He catches, you know, some shorter passes and, you know, takes it downfield. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is, you know, sort of that air raid relies on that kind of yard after catch sort of receiver. Um, he projects probably better out of the slot, but again, he plays, he can play everywhere on the field. Um, that's a huge plus for Kingsbury. He's going to be a guy who's going to want to switch up alignments. Um, he's a big home run type of threat. So again, the Cardinals don't have a lot of explosive weapons other than D hop. So he just adds to that offense. And so he's my number 14 overall prospect and number three overall wide receiver. Yeah, I can see why they'd go with Waddle. Um, I'm picking JC Horn because again, I feel like he's one of the best cornerbacks uh, in the draft. I think he's the best one left. Um, and the Cardinals need a little bit of help on defense. I mean, they lost, what, six out of the last nine games or something like that. And, I mean, I'm big on defense. Defense, you know, wins games, wins championships. And I don't really think it was the Cardinals' offense so much as it was mainly their defense. Um, I feel like J.C. Horn would be a big help in, uh, you know, being an anchor on that defense. Yeah, and then again – I think after the senior bowl, we'll get a better look at, you know, some what some what prospects, you know, solidify themselves and, you know, where some teams might go. The Cardinals are, again, they have a lot of departures on defense that they might feel the need to fill, feel, feel the need to fill. Uh, but if Waddle falls to, to 16, again, it might be hard for a team to, you know, pass up on that. Now with 17 with the Raiders, I'm going Gregory Rousseau. Raiders need a lot of pass rushing help, and you know John Gruden is going to love Rousseau's athletic ability, despite the fact I don't think he ha- is a good technician. He's a very raw athletic prospect, and that's the sort of thing Gruden loves. Again, and the Ra- that's kind of the Raiders culture, and, you know, the Davis family has always done. But I do not like Rousseau as a prospect. He had 15 and a half sacks in 2019. He opted out in 2020. So we didn't get to see if teams, offensive lines and offensive line were able to adjust to his technique. His sacks weren't based on him being a technician. They were based on him being an explosive athlete. 
Um, but I think the, the thing that benefits the Raiders is they don't need him to be a technician. They have Max Crosby and Clayton Farrell, who are both have proven in the past to be good pass rushers. Um, and Russo can probably help out on a third down on the interior if they feel that might be a better route um, for him early on. So I think that's the benefit with the Raiders are. They need pass rushing help, but they don't need it so badly that they have to pick a polished prospect. They can, I think they can take a chance on a guy like Russo. Russo is my number 23 overall prospect and number three edge player. Again, I'm not sold on Russo. I would like to see, you know, the problem is we don't, we're not going to see him in a senior bowl situation. So we're not going to see that sort of thing, which I think what is what he needs the most because we know he's going to test well at the combine. So it's yeah, just, no, go ahead. No, you finish first. I was just saying we, we're going to see him test well at the combine, but that's not what I want to see. I root. So I want to see a guy who can work at his technique and show um, NFL scouts that, yeah, I'm a great athlete, but here, I'm also sort of the Aaron Donald level technician. Maybe not Aaron Donald level, but I'm a technician who can, you know, not just rely on my lessons. The guy like Sewell is going to eat a guy like that up because Sewell is just as good as an athlete. And other, you know, NFL level tackles are just going to go, okay, you know, I can eat up athleticism. It's the technicians. Guys like Miles Garrett are great athletes, but why they're so good are good is because they're fantastic. They have fantastic technique and they work technique over and over and over again. Not that Russo can't be that, but he's just farther away from that than a guy like Cody Taylor. Yeah, and if I can quote John Gruden, it's really tough to find a good pass rusher in this league. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I, you know, after trading away Cleo Mack, it's, uh, that's, it's just John Gruden being John Gruden. Um, I've got Vegas uh, picking Jaden Waddle. Um, I think you had him going earlier. Um, yeah. I think he's a really good wide receiver. Uh, number two to well, number three in the draft, maybe number four. Um, but you know, he's the number two to Devonta Smith. Um, obviously, the injury he injuries are a little bit concerning, and hurting his ankle last night was you know never good to see. But I honestly don't think it'll be that that bad. Um, I think he'll be all right. I don't think it'll hurt his draft stock. Um, more no, than already has, come, if it has at all. Yeah, he's already come back from that ankle injury to some degree. Cause, uh, it was the Ole Miss game, I believe, is the one where he you know, broke it. So the fact that he was able to come back from it is a good promise to sound. I think scouts are going to like to see the fact that he you know, made the attempt to play last night. And he was you know, he wasn't a key integral part of that um, Alabama attack, but he played a role last night. So I think some teams are going to like that. Um, yeah, if Waddle falls to the Raiders, even though they, the only thing is they picked Ruggs last year, so I'm not fully sure, you know, if they're going to go. But, again, it's Mark Davis and the Raiders, right? You know, who knows what they're going to do. If they love yeah, they're I, in love with a guy, it's their guy, and they might fall in love with Waddle if he's available at that point. So. And I think it will open up the passing game for Derek Parr a lot, too, because if you have both Ruggs and Waddle, I mean, I mean, they're both obviously extremely young, but that, you know, I mean – yeah, you already have good wide receiver in rugs. I mean, plus Darren he, Waller. I mean, again, you're just and Darren Waller at tight end. I feel like anything you're just yeah, you're adding weapons. You got Josh Jacobs. I think you're just adding weapons to become a really good offense. Um, to me, the AFC West, the defenses in the AFC West aren't that good right now. I mean, the Chiefs have a good defense. 
the Broncos don't have a good defense as of right now, as much as it pains myself to say it. Yeah. Uh, the Chargers defense isn't that great. So, I mean, if you really stack that offense and you can kind of expose the defenses, um, uh, yeah, I think for the Raiders, it'd be a good choice. On I have Rousseau. I didn't mention this. I had Rousseau. My, I think I might have mentioned this. My 23 overall player, my three overall edge. Um, with the Dolphins at 18, if they go Sewell, like I said, they would earlier in the draft, they're going to go wide receiver here to help out whoever their quarterback is. If it is, in fact, Tua, uh, they're definitely going to want to go wide receiver here because they're going to want somebody other than Devontae Parker. Um, I think I'm going to go Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. Bateman is a vertical threat. For the Dolphins, which I think they need, I think they need they help somebody with tool out throwing the ball deep, somebody who can get open, you know, quickly, quick, quickly, um, because Tua struggled with you know waiting. I think a lot. I think I've talked. I think I've heard people talk about this, and I've talked about this, you know, in closed circles. That Tua's biggest issue issue is that he waits guys for guys to get Alabama open, and that doesn't happen in the NFL. Bateman might have the ability to get Alabama open for him. It'll make things a little easier. Um, and Bateman's by no means a finished product. He has good hands. I think he's got one of the best route trees of all the receivers in this draft. Um, and he's you don't need a finished product because he's not. He has things he needs to work on. Um, he's not a super crisp route runner, but he can, you know, it's one of those things where he's shown the ability to run a lot of routes and be effective. But I think, you know, all college wide receivers can become more, can become better route runners. Very few come out of college ready, you know, NFL ready in that regard. And he's a nice compliment to Devontae Parker. So I have him ranked 20th overall, number four wide receiver. Um, again, this number four wide receiver that could fluctuate a lot over the next coming months because the top three are, I think are pretty set. And at that point, it's the race who's going to be the Miami Dolphins, you know, pick at 18. And who's going to get to play with Tua. And I think right now Rashad Bateman is that guy, but I think guys like Tyler Wallace can step in, you know, become, you know, sort of, you know, another guy who could um, step in 18. Because I think the Dolphins, if they go Sewell at three, they're going to go wide receiver at 18. Yeah, I can see what you're saying there. I kind of have it flipped um, with that third pick from the Texans with Jamar Chase. Yeah. Um, I feel like at 18, I think they pick Rashawn Slater. Um I think he'd be a great fit to help out Tua, you know. Um, I mean, with Jamar Chase, Devonta, um, Devonta Parker. Um, Kiseki. And, um, and Mike Kiseki. I feel like that could potentially be a dangerous offense. And then you add Rashawn Slater on the offensive line to help protect Tua. Um, I, I just think it's one of the smarter picks they could – one of the smarter picks they have left to make and probably the smartest pick they could make as long as Slater's still there. Um, I mean, a pass-protecting tackle, or just offensive lineman in general, um, is what they need if they're going to stick with Tua. And I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. Yeah. And uh, one guy who I think could also go at that point, um, I don't have him drafted at this point, but I think Travis Etienne could be a possible selection for the Dolphins 18. I don't think they'll reach on a running back there. But his kind of talent, you know, the Dolphins may eye that and feel like, we can add, you know, another um, weapon on the ground to help out this offense again. Whoever's quarterback at that point, and again, let's assume it's Tua because the front office has said so. Um, they're going to go a weapon at some point, I think. 
whether that be an offensive threat, whether that be receiver or running back, um, they're going to have to because I think that was one of the big things for, you know, people want to blame Tua for struggles, but I think there wasn't a lot for him to work with other than Devontae Parker at times and Mike Gusecki. So uh, that's it for uh, – we're going to put uh, the draft board here uh, so you all can look at it and, you know, leave comments and stuff. Uh, our website, like I said, is upperdeckrants.wixsite.com. We have – you can email us using the contact form. Um, anything else you want to add? Uh, follow us on Twitter. Yes, follow us on Twitter, Upper Deck Rants. Um, yeah. We should be getting an Instagram page up and running at some point. Uh, Twitter hopefully become more active. We've been kind of just starting to get this website going, so we've been haven't been super active with Twitter account yet other than posting articles. But hopefully we get more, you know, active with that. Uh, this should be up on YouTube, uh, Upper Deck Rants, as well. Uh, podcast, we'll get that post as well. And um, next time we come out, I think we're going to talk about the NFL playoffs. Uh, I'm not quite sure when we're going to do that second podcast yet. But uh, we're definitely going to talk about this upcoming round of the, uh, the divisional round as well. Yeah, that and uh, any further predictions we might have. Yeah, so we, I think we can maybe do a little bit of that right now if you want. Uh, so we're not going to go super heavy into this because it's already been about an hour anyway. But um, Packers, Rams, who do you like? Packers. Packers. I, I think like. the Rams defense is good, but I don't think it keep up with the Packers offense. Yeah, I like the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers is on his, you know, revenge tour. And I, with the injuries with the uh, Rams, it could be a problem. So I think the Packers are going to win that one pretty handily. Uh, and then the next NFC game we got would be Tampa Bay, New Orleans. I think New Orleans, I think Drew Brees is going to completely expose that Tampa Bay horrible passing defense. Um, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. I hate the man um, football-wise. Um, I just I, I just can't see any world where Drew Brees does not absolutely expose the Bucks in that passing defense. Yeah, I'm going to New Orleans as well. I was pretty impressed with that Tampa Bay offensive line, but I think Drew Brees in that passing offense is going to boat race that – uh, Tampa defense. They gave up 306 yards to Taylor Heineke. So it could be a long day for the um, Tampa Bay defense with, you know, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas back. Deontay Harris is awesome against the Bears. So I think it's going to be a high scoring blowout. That's yeah. what I, that's. In the AFC side, we got uh, Kansas City, Cleveland. I got Kansas City. I, I think Cleveland played well. I think they got a little bit of help, you know, being up 28 nothing in the first quarter. Um, giving me Super Bowl 48 vibes with that first uh, snap over the head kind of gave me, uh, you know, shuddered a little bit. Love to see it against the Steelers, but um, I, I don't really see how the Browns could keep up with Kansas City's. I mean, the Browns' defense is uh, – it, it looks soft, but, I mean, they were also playing not to lose – I guess, against the Steelers after they're up so much. I, I just don't think their defense can keep up Kansas City's offense. Yeah, the Steelers uh, in that Steelers game, the Brown, I think Kansas City's going to win. I think they're going to cover, too. The spread's 10 points. I think they're going to cover, to be honest. Uh, Chiefs have had the week off to sort of rest up, and I am not confident in that Browns defense. They gave up. Um, they gave up. They gave up a lot of points last week. I know they're in prevent defense, but still, that's really concerning um, given the fact that that Kansas City offense is relentless. And I know at times they've kind of struggled to start getting going, but, again, I like Kansas City a lot in that game. And 
it's not because I don't like the Browns. It's just because that Kansas City football team's too good. All right, and so our final game um, is going to be Ravens-Bills, which I think is going to be an awesome game. But I'm going to go Bills because I don't trust that Ravens passing offense totally. Yeah, um, I don't either. I don't think – oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't totally trust that Ravens passing offense. Um, and I think if they become one-dimensional, which I'm afraid they could become, uh, that Bills defense is going to be good enough to slow it down. And that Bill again, I think it's going to be actually a pretty low-scoring game, especially I've heard rumors it's supposed to snow. So if it's supposed to snow, it could be a, you know, 10-7 to 7 slog. And But I think Josh Allen has been the better quarterback this year, and that could be the difference in this game is where Josh Allen just – if he's able – start throwing the ball around. That could be the biggest difference. So I think the Bills are going to win that game, but I think it's going to be awfully close. I think as long as the Bills can contain Lamar Jackson uh, and his scrambling, uh, they, they're going to have no problem with the Ravens. Um, the Titans, their biggest problem was Lamar Jackson scrambling because uh, the Titans stopped Derrick Henry to 40 rushing y- or I'm sorry. Uh, the Titans, like, halted the Ravens' uh, rushing offense with the exception of Lamar Jackson, and they only let up like 170-something yards, I think, um, to Lamar Jackson in the air. Um, I think as long as the Bills can contain Jackson, um, they, they won't have a problem. Sounds good. So we got pretty much shocked this weekend. Um, all right, so that was episode one of Upper Deck Rants.